guys, Pillar Performance has dropped a brand new product. It's available in Australia and now Europe. It's a product to help protect our immune systems called Ultra Immune C. You've heard me talk so many times on this podcast about the results I've had with Truel Magnesium and Ultra B Active. And after hearing me talk about that, I was chatting to Pillar's owner, Damien, who urged me to add Ultra Immune C to my rotation. So I did. And I guess as triathletes, we're always putting our immune systems under immense strain in the pursuit of reaching our goals, early mornings and late nights because we work during the day, have families and friends and still try to get our training in around it all. Um, I think particularly when you train a bit harder and are doing sessions or long rides and long runs, you start to get a bit more susceptible to being run down and sick. And I hate being run down and sick. So I figured it's worth a shot. And I just think I'd rather take it and any benefit it has to my immune system being stronger and fighting off annoying little colds or infections instead of getting everything I come into contact with and not being a rundown little triathlete is a positive. Pillars Ultra Immune C is developed with three key ingredients for immunity. Vitamin C, vitamin D3 and zinc. These ingredients help our bodies fight off infection, serve as a barrier against external stresses, reduce inflammation in our systems caused by physiological stress mainly, accelerate wound healing and act as antioxidants. The synergistic effect of vitamin Z and zinc ensure that you are supported through every stage of your training regimen, particularly by exerting a protective benefit onto your immune system and also helping you bounce back from illness faster, ensuring that you can continue doing what you love with minimal disruptions. Vitamin D is involved in virtually all of our body bodily processes and systems with receptors found in almost every tissue throughout the human body and plays an important role in immune function as well as bone health, muscle function and strength, growth and recovery and, and even things like nerve singly, signaling. Pillars Ultra Immune C is formulated as a delicious tropical flavor, which is the same flavor Pillar use in their triple magnesium, which I love. Um, it, I actually find it delicious. Um, take it in the morning to boost your immune system for everything the day throws ahead of you. Gwen Jorgensen, welcome to How They Train. Gwen, everyone listening probably already knows the bones of your story, but put simply, you were the best female triathlete on the planet. You won an Olympic gold medal and you won about 20 WTS races between 2013 and 2016. You then made a super highly publicized move to full-time running. And now in 2023, you're coming back to the sport of triathlon. I want to cover all of that today, but... Let's start with the period where you were dominating world triathlon in 2013 to 2016. Can you really broadly, but try and hone it in, tell me about how you were training back then? Yeah, I was training with a group in Australia and then in Spain with a coach, Jamie Turner. And, you know, every day we'd meet for training, we'd swim six days a week, um, run probably about about the same six times a week and then uh you know I would bike as well five or six times a week as well so um you know doing kind of three sessions a day most days except for Sundays were a long run and that was it um otherwise we were doing three sessions a day and um yeah training all over the world so there was a period before you became the Gwen Jorgensen who couldn't lose a race who Basically, if you could make the front pack or close enough to the front pack off off the bike, you would win the race. But sometimes you wouldn't necessarily make that. And then in sort of like 2014, definitely 2015 and 2016, that all changed where you were making front pack swims and winning every race. Like there was a period from 2014 to 2016 where I don't think you lost a race in, in you know, two, two to three seasons of racing. What changes did you guys make in training that took you from someone who could make a front pack in the swim occasionally, but often didn't to always making it and always winning. You know, it's kind of funny. We didn't change much in training. And I remember I joined Jamie in 2013 at the beginning of 2013. And I remember my first race, I didn't finish. I got out of the swim. It was a really bad swim, started the bike. And Jamie's giving me this, like cut the throat, like just stop um, signal on the sideline. And ended up not finishing that race. And I remember saying, we need to change everything. Like we're doing everything wrong. I don't know what's happening. Like, this is horrible. 
And he just said, Nope, we're going to stay the course and we're going to, we're going to continue pounding the rock basically and doing what we're doing. And we just kind of continued on that. And it was just the consistency over the years that I think allowed me to um, have that success. I, I, you know, there's a, there's a bit of luck as well, right? Like I didn't get a flat tire during that period. Um, I did get a flat tire at the 2012 Olympics. So, you know, there's, there's a little bit of luck and um, a lot of it though, just came down to consistency. Everyone at that level, Gwen, is training pretty much the same. They're all sort of doing roughly the same things. A lot of you have the same backgrounds, have been training for the same sort of periods of time. So what separated you? What made your run particularly so much better? Like compared to everyone else in the field, your run was just on another level at that period. Why was that? (laughs) Um, I don't know, really. I think, you know, I learned how to run off the bike really well and you know, even after I switched to running, I, I think, you know, my, my run off the bike is compared to others better than an open run, but I, it just took years to get that right. I think, you know, I remember in my early days, there was one race, um, Yokohama that I did the first year I did it, I came off in the front bike pack and I think I finished like 12th, like I did not have the fastest run. And a lot of it, it just came down to, I don't, I don't know what it was, um, but I'm going to have to, if I had to guess, it would just come back to that consistency. Like I, I was pretty fortunate. I remember people telling me when I was, um, training for those four years for Rio and everyone said, you just have to stay healthy. And I didn't realize how fortunate I was that I didn't have any injuries during that four years and was just able to, to continue training and building. And so what specifically were you doing consistently? Like, let's start with your run, because obviously with where your career progressed after your triathlon career and still where you're at today, everyone wants to know about your running. So back in that period with Jamie from 2013 to sort of 2016, when you won the the Rio Olympics, what was your sort of like standard training week when it came to your running? Yeah. Um, I have a horrible memory, but I do remember the runs cause that's what I had the most fun with. And so I would run, usually I'd wake up in the morning and have like a six kilometer LSD long, um, slow distance run. And it would be, you know, five to five thirty per K. So nothing crazy, just slow getting out there and moving. And then, uh, two days a week, I, in the afternoon, I would do a, a second run, a double run. And one of the days it would, a staple workout was six to eight by one K. And I would start at like, um, maybe three 20 to three thirty per K. And by the last one, get down to three minutes flat or below. And that was on, you know, a dirt, um, path. So it wasn't very fast. And I didn't often have fast shoes when I was doing it and it would have full recovery, like three minutes recovery. And then the other workout that we would do in the afternoon when I had a double run would be a tempo run. So we would just do, oh gosh, I can't remember how long it was, maybe like an hour uh, where we started off slow. And then, um, you know, but the majority of it was just at a, at a tempo pace. And besides that, it was just slow running, um, whether that was the long run or, or the morning runs. Can you talk to me about your long run? How, how long was your long run back then? When was it? Yep. The long run was basically always on Sunday, Sunday morning, and then I'd have the rest of the afternoon off and it would be 90 minutes and nothing crazy fast. If, if I had to guess, it'd probably, I probably averaged like 4.45 per K. And sort of with a session, so would you do two sessions a week every week, like on a Tuesday and a Thursday? Usually, yes. But yeah, it was like, I think it was Tuesday, Friday, maybe that we would do the running. Um, And yeah, the, um, I think Tuesday would normally be like those 1k repeats. And then Friday would be the tempo run. It's, um, it's very Australian in design that that running week, because that's pretty much how every person who ever runs in Australia structures their training week. They do like a a session like Tuesday, Thursday, or Tuesday, Friday, Sunday, long run, easy jogs all around it. Is is that the same in other places in the world you've run or is that was that just purely a Jamie design? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when I switched to running, the running world is definitely like workout Tuesday, Friday, long run Sunday. I think that's very typical. 
Um, I had done in running some like 10 day cycles instead of the seven day cycle. Uh, but you know, honestly, I think the, the seven day cycle is, is just nice, uh, mentally more than anything, because you can, you know what you're doing every week and you can kind of, uh, plan around that if you want to have a life at all and do anything. And then with your swimming, because obviously the, the swim was such a factor in what ultimately made you a world beater. What were those six swims like and, and how hard were they? And was there anything sort of special in, in amongst those six swims um, in your standard week? You know, it's funny, my memory of it versus what I actually did is very skewed. I actually, when I started coming back to triathlon uh, this year, or end of last year, I guess, when I was thinking about it, I looked at some of my old training journals and I thought I was doing like 5K every session and it was more averaging around only 3K per session. So it was a lot more quality over quantity in the pool. And a lot of it as well, though, was very technique based and, and something that Jamie is really uh, honed, honed in on and, and has us do is take ownership. And so a lot of it is, you know, OK, you're going to do 2050s and I want it to be tempo pace. You do whatever you need for the send off. So like he won't give send offs or he won't give paces. It's just kind of more we, I, as an individual have to take ownership of that and figure out like, what do I need to go or what do I need to rest in order to maintain the proper form? And, you know, a lot of, um, back, back then in the 20, uh, you know, 13 to, to 2016, my focus was on having a high elbow, and a higher cadence. And so I had a tempo trainer, which would beep. And so I do some training that I just matched the beeps to keep my cadence up. And then as well, I was constantly working on keeping that high elbow, especially during the catch. So with your swim training back then, do you think that the thing that took you from being someone who was inconsistently making front packs to consistently making front packs was just showing up every day versus the actual um, guts of what was inside those six sessions? I think it was a combo, but I think majority it was the consistency. I grew up swimming and I swam competitively since age eight, swam in college. So I had that swimming background, but I took a uh, time off, like three or four years off. And so just getting back that swimming, the swimming muscles and all of that, I think it just take, took time for me and that consistency um, as well, you know, with the training one day a week, we'd always do open water swimming, which I think was really useful for triathlon pool swimming versus open water swimming is very different. Um, you know, I'm actually, uh, swimming with someone right now who, She's much faster than me in the pool, but I can hold my own um, in, in open water. And it's just, it's kind of a different technique, right? So pool swimming, you're fast a lot of times if you have like a good dolphin underwater and your tight streamline and really that long um, DPS uh, and in open water, a lot of it can, can be different because the water is choppy and there's people swimming on top of you. So it's more kind of figuring out how to go fast and maintain your not only your stroke rate, but your technique when you're getting beat up by waves and other people. And obviously your career is like, it's, it's like sort of got these different patches in it. So I'll try not to jump, jump around too much, but with your comeback to triathlon now in 2023, are you going to be coached by Jamie Turner again, the same way you were in 2013 to 2016? I am being coached by Jamie Turner but in a way different way. Um, so I'm living in Boulder, Colorado. I'm actually not in Boulder right now, but um, living in Boulder, Colorado, training there. And, you know, I can't, I have a five-year-old and a four-month-old. And so it, it's really hard to, to be on other people's schedules when you have two little kids, especially with the breastfeeding. And um, so for me, it's, it's kind of creating a group around what I need to do. That's the next question I was going to ask because you guys were really famous back then for having one of the strongest triathlon groups in the world, triathlon training squads in the world. And you sort of traveled the world together, would be like at altitude together, um, at different places, all living and training together. Do you think that was a big part of your success then and, and that you sort of need to mirror that on your comeback? I think that was a huge part of my success then. But I came from a background where I had never done triathlon. I'd never ridden a bike. And I kind of needed to be confronted with 
what it took to be the best in the world. And I needed to be surrounded by my competitors in order to see like what, what I needed to be doing. And I think now um, I'm much older. I know myself much better. I, I know what I need to work on. I think I'm a lot more honest with myself of, of my weaknesses and, and how to improve those. And so it's, it's different, it's different this time and it's going to be different. And I think, um, I don't think I need to do the exact same thing I used to do to, to have the same results. And how long have you been back training specifically for triathlon? Ooh, that's a hard question. So when I was pregnant, I did some swimming. I actually swam with Ian O'Brien's group a little bit while I was pregnant for like a month. And, um, I was doing some biking, but I'd never went on the road when I was pregnant. So I do some like mountain biking. Um, but, uh, you know, so I was kind of doing stuff then, but I wasn't like fully training. And then I had George, he was born, um, October 19th. And then I took four weeks completely off where I did nothing. And at four weeks, I did a 20 minute bike at like maybe 80 Watts. Um, and then kind of progressed from there at six weeks, I got cleared to swim and and run but when I started my runs it was you know a two minute run a five minute walk three times so I started doing like continuous runs and I'd say like my goal was to start training at the first of the year and it it didn't quite make that I got a little sickness around then and my body just wasn't ready postpartum to to hit it hard so I'd say you know within the past couple weeks I've really started to to train um and to do like three sports in one day for the first time I think I did that like three weeks ago Um, and you know, today I actually, today's March 1st and I did my, my longest ride and it was a little bit over three hours. So I, I feel like I've, it was kind of slow coming back, but we really needed to make sure that one, um, I wasn't pushing too hard with breastfeeding it. Breastfeeding takes up 30% of your whole metabolic rate. And so, um, to be able to do that, it took, I needed to go slow and as well, I didn't want to get injured and wanted to make sure my pelvic floor was healing correctly. And so with your comeback, I'd sort of like heard a little bit, read a little bit um, about what your goals are and why you're coming back. Do you feel like you're putting out sort of goals that aren't actually your goals? Like are you doing that thing that people do where they set sort of lower goals publicly but inside their own head are like, no, I want to go and win the Olympics for the next two cycles or that's obviously a bit extreme but that that you sort of get what I'm asking. Yeah, I mean, I think you probably know me, Jack, and most people have have known um, that I'm not afraid of big, lofty goals. Uh, yeah, I said I wanted to win gold in the marathon in the Olympics. Um, fall fell short of that. I didn't even make it to the Olympic trials in the marathon. And so I'm not somebody who's afraid to say that. And and for me, you know, a big I quit triathlon, and a big reason was I had accomplished all the goals that I wanted to accomplish. And so for me, like winning another Olympic gold in the individual. Um, yeah, that'd be really cool, but that's not what motivates me. Uh, and for me, the, the mixed team relay is something that it just, it makes me excited. Like I, I wasn't, I, I, when I stopped triathlon, I wasn't having fun doing it. And, you know, I think triathlon, I know triathlon found me, they recruited me into it. And so now I'm coming back to the sport on my own terms. And even this past weekend in Taupo, I did an individual race and then I did the, the mixed team relay the following day. And it's just, it's a different format. It's shorter, it's faster, it's dynamic, and it's its what's motivating me. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I do think about you. And I was thinking about this before we started chatting with how you basically told the world, hey, I'm going to be the best marathon runner in the world, which I loved. And I think everyone in the world loved because it, it gave people a story to follow. Like so many people in the running world and the triathlon world were talking about you for such a long period of time, like years. Um, like I know I personally had mates who were making bets on whether you would do that or not. And I don't have mates who like talk about triathlon and running that much, which sort of <laughs> says how your ability to come out and make a big goal publicly known creates conversation. And I wondered that whether because you'd done that and didn't succeed in that goal for like the first time really in your athletic career, career, especially your professional athletic career, whether that did make you a little bit 
sort of gun shy, a little bit afraid to say what you really want. And so you were using the the team relay as like a, well, this is my goal, but it's like a bit smaller. Like I, I did wonder whether setting that big public goal had sort of knocked your confidence back a little bit. Not at all. Um, I actually, I had so many conversations with USA Triathlon about how I could only do the mixed team relay. <laughs> I was like, I don't even want to do an individual event. I was like, can I just do the mixed team relay and add many conversations with them and it's not possible to do it that way and um you know one thing i did learn through this though like as i started training was that i, I i'm enjoying the triathlon and um yeah not at all i my confidence is not knocked at all i'm i'm someone who i don't know when i learned this cuz i definitely wasn't like this in high school but i just don't care what other people think and I, i'm just i'm going to say what what I'm going to say. And I'm going to talk about my, I'm going to say what I'm thinking and I'm not, yeah, I don't really hold back on any of that. And I want to come back to triathlon, but let's go back to running for a little bit here. So you win the Olympic gold medal in Rio, the best female performance at the Olympics still to this day, you know, you were the the most dominant female short course athlete the world's ever seen still to this day you, you were, like no one, no one, not even Flora now is, is as dominant as what you were back then. You step away from the sport. You tell everyone, I'm going to go win the Olympic gold medal in the marathon. Talk to me, talk to me about what was happening at that period in your life. Well, I was uh, pregnant um, or I just had Stanley, I think. And for me, I, in triathlon, I, I remember talking to Jamie and him being like, let's stay in triathlon. Like, and I was like, I'm not motivated. And he's like, well, we can find a different motivation. It can be money. It can be this. It can be that. I'm just like, no, like that just, it doesn't motivate me. And I had been improving my running and I, out of college actually wanted to run professionally. And I basically wasn't good enough. Like I was a 15, 55, 5k out of college. And so just to run professionally, I could have maybe done it, but I wouldn't have been getting paid. And I was someone who was just like, I am not living off my parents. I need to make money my own way. Like I, I need to be independent if I'm going to do this. So yeah, when, when the opportunity, like when we kind of talked about it and I talked to some running coaches and I just realized, well, like maybe I can go after running. And the marathon was something I was, I was really passionate about. And I felt like, Oh, you know, the, the Olympic triathlon is about two hours. The marathon's about two hours. Like it should be a kind of the same aerobic uh, demand, which it's not really. I've I've learned it's very different um, than a than a triathlon aerobically and how you train and mentally and all that. But yeah, you know, I, I went after the marathon and I started training after having Stanley, my first, and had some really quick success in like a five k. I ran like fifteen. 15, I think five months postpartum and, um, continued to, I wasn't running very many miles. Cause again, it was postpartum and you just, you gotta be very slow, um, and cautious in your build to make sure you don't get injured and started to build mileage and, and targeted the Chicago marathon and, um, put a lot of work, a lot of heart into that training and that racing and, and showed up on race day. I actually had a 102 degree fever. And I, I thought in triathlon, I, I did some races when I was sick and I, and I thought like, Oh, I'll be fine. And I was not fine in the race. Um, and I also was having a Hagelin's deformity, ended up having surgery. So just had a lot of things kind of, um, happen that allowed me to not be successful in the marathon. And I, after having Hagelin's, um, surgery on my heel, Hagelin's is a bone overgrowth in the heel, had that shaved down and started training again. And I wanted to make it back for the Olympic trials, but I just didn't have enough time um, after surgery to make it back to the marathon Olympic trials. So we switched the focus to the track and I actually had so much fun. I was having way more fun training on the track than I was in marathon training, which was not what I thought would happen. I just enjoyed more of the shorter, faster um, training, even though I, I wasn't, I mean, I was not, you know, I'm never going to be a 14 20, uh, 5k runner, but I really enjoyed training for the 5k. And I was actually really thrilled with how, um, how my 5k, how my 5k ended up on the track. And what was your, like compared to when you were training with Jamie for triathlon, 
What did your running training look like when you first started making the shift to full-time running? How did it progress over time? Like how did your running weeks evolve and, and how did they look? Well, when I first joined, the the big thing Jerry had me focus on was just mileage because I wanted to do the marathon. So it was like you got to hit 120 miles a week. And I just, it, it was really hard on my body, my tendons. I had never had bone injuries and I didn't even know about tendon injuries. And so I just ramped up way too quickly and, and had all these tendon injuries. Um, and, you know, as it progressed and as I started to, after surgery and after I started doing like track workouts, we would do like two times a week, usually hard workouts when we were on a seven day cycle, sometimes we're on a 10 day cycle. But there was a lot of things that that I struggled with in in that group. And, and one of them was everyone basically just kind of did the same workouts. And time wise, I was just not as good as some of the, the other girls in our group. And so I often was training at paces that were much faster than I was capable of. And as well, we were living at eighty five hundred feet in um a lot of times for altitude. And I I just couldn't recover. Like my resting heart rate when I was at altitude camps, trying to keep up with the girls, like it it was just so inconsistent in my training and my resting heart rate would be like 58 as its lowest, which as for an elite athlete is not like that's, that's, that's abnormal. Um, it should have been much lower. And so, you know, looking back, I just kind of see all these signs, you know, whether it was in my blood work or my resting heart rate or, um, all that stuff. But, I just, I was, I was never able to recover from, from the training I was doing. I was just training too hard every day. I wasn't, I had no easy days. And do you think your running training when you were a full-time runner, trying to be the best in the world at it, do you think it ever progressed and got to the point where you had it nailed? No, I, I think I never really understood my body well enough. And I didn't really understand I was going too hard until I, I stopped. I, I did at the end, I, um, I joined Bobby McGee, um, for like a half year and then I got pregnant, but, uh, you know, I was running and, and with him, I kind of just realized like my easy days, especially when I was with the Bowerman track club, they were just too hard for me. Um, so, you know, people, we were averaging, you know, seven minutes per mile or, or faster on easy runs. And, and I needed to be, slower than that I think just to to recover and then then on the fast runs as well I just they were too fast for me and so when you or like what ultimately made you decide I'm going to stop chasing this dream of being the best runner in the world I don't know if that dream is done yet I still want to go back and do a marathon I really think I can have a good marathon um and but what I think ultimately had me decide that was, you know, I, I looked at when I got pregnant with, with George and I looked at the timeline, I was like, well, I don't, you know, again, I'm kind of like in this spot when I was like post-surgery, like I don't really have that much time to come back and, and train for a marathon. Um, and the marathon trials are, you know, earlier. And so I was like, well, maybe I'll just do the running circuit. Cause I love the running circuit and that's really exciting. But I'm really motivated by the Olympics. And so I think that kind of was something that I was like, well, there's an Olympics coming up in two years. Like I really want to do the mixed team relay and the triathlon. So it, it was kind of a combination of a, a bunch of things. And, and like I said, I don't, I don't think I'm done running. I still want to go back to running at some point. So if you still want to go to, back to running at some point, does that mean that this triathlon journey for you, as you see it, or as you think about it right now ends at the next Olympic games? Well, I don't know. I, I've, I've learned that throughout my career, I can't predict what I'm going to think or want to do. <laughs> um, my poor parents, they, they never know either. And I just, I, I feel like I always keep everyone on my toes in my, in my inner circle and the people that I love, but it, I, I, I can't, I don't know what I'm going to, I don't, I don't know how to predict it. And you know, this triathlon campaign that I'm on right now, I don't know when it'll end. Um, it's a, it's a really big, tall ask. It's a uphill battle. Um, and everything kind of has to go perfectly for me to even get an opportunity to try to qualify for the Olympics in the triathlon, like to even get on the start list will be incredibly difficult. So I don't know how long this journey will last. And I don't know, um, how to answer that. I think it, it all just depend on if I'm having fun and, 
um, if I can make a living off of it as well. And so because you're working with Jamie, you're not in his group, in his face every day, but you're still being coached by him from, from afar. Are you guys, have you guys just slipped straight back into the same training program that you were doing back in 2013 to 2016? No, my training is so different, um, which I kind of like. Um, but it, you know, as well, like for the longest time postpartum, it just, we, I felt like I was never really training. Cause it's like, I would do an hour here, an hour there, never do three sessions in one day. And, um, you know, my longest bike ride would be like an hour and a half, which is just very abnormal. Um, and my longest long run, you know, would only be like 12 K. So everything was just different, but I think it was more just coming back postpartum and making sure that everything was, was good. And, and, and now, now that I feel like I'm able to like this week, I feel like real training is, is starting. And, um, a lot of it as well is kind of built around my children. So, you know, when is Stanley at school? I want to kind of maximize my time when he's at school and, and when does George need to be fed? And, and those sorts of things definitely play a big factor in when I'm training. And, um, you know, I think the, the, how I'm training is maybe similar, but like that staple workout of on the run, the six, four, six to eight, one K repeats. Like we haven't done anything like that. Like my biggest workout I've done, I did eight, three hundreds fast, like race pace. And then the only other thing I've done is like, I've done this workout a few times where it's four by eight minutes, where it's six and a half minutes at tempo pace, which for me was like four minutes per K pretty slow. And then, um, a minute and a half faster. Um, so I just, I haven't really done, um, on the running, especially anything similar to what we used to do. And do you think, have you guys talked about it? Is your, is your training going to progress to being what it was when you were the, the Olympic champion in 2016? Or is it sort of just a, hey, let's just get you back fit, healthy, training consistently, get you like increased volume across all three, get a few more sessions happening across all three, and then just see where we're at? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is to um, knock on some wood, but try to stay healthy. Um, you know, we can't just jump full in. I remember telling Jamie originally, I was like, Dan won. I want to start training, real training. And I remember he like uploaded my workouts for that first week in January. And I'm like, wow. Oh, like we have zero triples and I'm still only running like 10 K max, you know, on my long run. And, um, you know, I think I've had those conversations and, you know, I know that that's me mentally just being more ready than I am physically to do things. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know exactly where the training will go from here. I think we're, we're both learning each week and, you know, a lot of times as well, Jamie will put in, my training, um, you know, ride and it won't say a distance. It won't say a time. And it's just kind of me, um, having to figure out what do I think I need and, um, you know, wh what as well do I have time for, but those, the, the, me figuring it out is something that I don't like, but I know that it's so good for me. And that's when I really learn a lot. And I know so much more about my body now than I did eight years ago, I know what works. I know what doesn't work. I know, you know, a lot of it also depends. Like did George wake up five times last night? Like he did literally last night. So, you know, it's, it's kind of basing a lot on like, I'm an older athlete. I need to recover. I'm not getting great sleep when George doesn't sleep well. So, um, putting all those pieces together is something that it's never going to look the same as it was. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not the same athlete. I'm Gwen 2.0. And I, I believe I can be a better athlete than I was because I know more about myself, but um, I'll let the the races speak for themselves when I start racing. And so when you decided, I'm going to come back to triathlon, I want Jamie Turner to coach me again. Did you decide that because you believe Jamie Turner is the best triathlon coach in the world or because you'd worked with him and what you guys had achieved in the past? Yeah, you know, I actually didn't want to be coached by Jamie um, when I was coming back. I interviewed so many different coaches in the triathlon world, and it's no secret that, um, you know, Jamie had, uh, he had some problems when he left um, his coaching job with triathlon Australia, and I, I didn't even know at the time, like, what had gone on. And I'm someone who's very, 
how do I, I don't know how to describe this, but like I hadn't talked to Jamie since basically the Rio Olympics. And, um, you know, now that I've left Bauer, when I left Bowerman as well, like I haven't talked to Jerry since I left Bowerman. So I'm someone who just like with my coaches, I'm not someone who is calling them up and keeping in contact. So I hadn't really kept in contact with Jamie and I was interviewing all these different coaches and I was just like, Oh, like nothing really seems to be fitting with what I need or, or, or what I want. And, um, Patrick really encouraged me to talk to Jamie and, um, you know, I had some hesitations around being coached by Jamie again. And he has, he's a completely different person, which is, um, amazing. He's done a lot of work on himself, which I'm super proud of him for. But, um, you know, I started working with him and he flew out to Boulder and the first day I was, you know, he's challenging me on these things that I kind of, uh, alluded to or talked about earlier with, you know, he'd go to the pool and he'd say, do this or that. And I'd say, okay, well, how, or how many, or on what time? And he's like, that's for you to figure out. And he's like, he's always someone who's like far too often we give too many, um, solutions and answers. And so it's for the athletes to really figure that out. And it's challenging and it's hard work. And I don't really like that sort of thing, but it is what I need. And I remember coming home from that training session and just being like, this is what I've been missing. Like in, even in my running career. And I remember telling Patrick, I was like, man, imagine if I had X, Y, and Z in my running career, like what would I have been different? Like, I just felt this, this click inside of, um, you know, it really, I think his coaching really clicks with, with who I am. Okay. So there's a lot to unpack inside of that. Firstly, before we talk <laughs> about Jamie, can you disclose any of the other coaches that you like interviewed and was there particular triathlon coaches that you really thought, Oh, when I come back, I'd love the idea of maybe working with this person or this person or this person. Well, yeah, I talked to some um, Norwegian coaches, which I was super excited about. Um, you know, a lot of the Norwegian, I think that's like the the newest, hittest thing, right, um, of how they train. And um, it, it was it was them that some of them that I was talking to, I remember being like, I'm not going to travel with my kids. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And, and one of the coaches was like, if you're going to do this, you need to do it all in. And he was kind of the one that I was like you're right and he got me excited about it and like I am going all in I'm gonna do this the right way I'm gonna um yeah have fun but but also invest in in myself and um you know thankfully I feel like my kids are at a great age Stanley my eldest is not yet in kindergarten so he's not like missing too much he's just in preschool um I kind of feel like this is the last year this year to to really pull him for a long time if we need to train abroad so um yeah. And then I, I talked to, you know, I talked to Bobby McGee um, as well, who was my running coach. And, um, you know, I, I as well, Ian O'Brien was is a great option. He's in Boulder and um, I did some training with him and and that I really I love Ian. Uh, he I think the the biggest issue I had with Ian O'Brien's group is that it was this group and I had a family and and it's just this time constraint of man, it's hard for me to meet on other people's timeline when I have two kids. And when you say you talk to the Norwegian coaches, did you go straight to the top and talk to Olav Alexander Boo or who who did you talk to? I did, yes. That's so fascinating. Olav, a good friend of the show. How did that conversation take place? Who teed it up? Did you reach out to them? Can you like give us more details about that conversation or or like how long these conversations took place for? Yeah, Olaf, I, I think I talked to the most. I had maybe three or four Zoom calls um, that were all an hour or more. He loves his Zoom calls, doesn't he? <laughs> well, when you travel around the world, I mean, you got to do something. We're on a Zoom call now. It's <laughs> um, so yeah, and, you know, I think I, I I remember telling Patrick, like, I want to, I want to talk to Olaf. And so he just organized it. I don't know who he talked to to get the number, but he did. And, um, you know, they were at a training camp somewhere and, you know, we talked and he was the one that kind of said, like, if you're going to do this, you need to go all in, you need to, you know, we'll be living here and there. And I said, okay, I need to think about this. I need to think about like, would I be willing to take Stanley to a country where they don't speak English and he, you know, can't really speak to other kids that are five years old and 
you know, so I was thinking about that. And Olaf was thinking about like, how would I fit in his group as well? And, um, you know, cause that's as well as important when you bring somebody in to make sure that I would be a good fit in that same group. And so we were kind of just having an interview process, um, along the way. And we were both kind of seeing like, would, would it work for him and, and would it work for me? This is just so crazy. Can, can you imagine? It's probably, I don't know. I assume it's probably hard for you as Gwen Jorgensen, but for the triathlon world, if Gwen Jorgensen had announced her comeback and was being coached by like Olav Alexander Boo going all in on being part of the Norwegian method, that would have just been, people would have lost their minds about that. That would have been the biggest news of the year and everyone would still be talking about it. I feel like potentially by trying to find yourself the right fit, you've cost the triathlon world a great story. <laughs> well, I'm not doing it for the story. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's something that that was actually, you know, one thing I was worried about when I wanted to do triathlon, I was like, I don't want this to just be like some big media thing. Like I just want to go out there, work hard and prove myself through results. Like I, I just, I didn't want it to be this big media hoopla, but I do want, I do think like, the flip side of that is like media for triathlon is great. Like it's a small niche sport and to be able to bring any media attention to triathlon, I think is, is, is amazing. Yeah. It's a catch 22 like that, the triathlon media world. Um, so, I mean, I guess from there, I have to ask, you said that you were a little unsure about, about working with Jamie Turner again, because of some things that had happened he's taking you to an Olympic gold medal and you're coming back to triathlon. So it seems obvious. Can you take us any deeper inside of that? Yeah. Um, he was, uh, he had an issue with when he was working for a triathlon Australia and, um, you know, there's, there's been a bunch of investigations and nothing has really come of it. Um, but he, was he was he was fired from triathlon Australia um and kind of left the the sport of triathlon he he's coaching some some athletes right now he's been coaching when he before um I joined him he was coaching some triathlon athletes but um you know I think Jamie is someone who I you know I I talked to him and I said like how can I hold you accountable and you know what can I say and how can I help you to continue on your journey you know he's he's really done a lot of work on himself. Um, and it's something that, yeah, I'm really happy that he's, he's done that. And I'm, I'm a bigger person now, you know, if I see something or I don't like, or, you know, I just speak up and say like, this is, I don't like this. And, you know, Jamie does the same for me. I think that's a, a great coaching relationship is not the coaching, but creating good humans. Um, and, and so that's kind of a two way street between Jamie and I right now in our, in our journey. And when like the final decision came to be made, was it as simple as when you did, when like Pat said, Hey, I think you should talk to Jamie and you did talk to him again. Was it pretty evident straight away? That's like, this is my guy. Oh, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I don't remember I don't remember how that all went. And I, I don't, I don't know. So I'm going to say no, because I don't remember it being like this instantaneous thing of like, this is it. Um, I would say for sure when Jamie came out to Boulder, I was like, oh my gosh, I made the right decision. Um, but b before that, I, it, no, I, it was not like an easy do this, do that um, sort of thing. If you've heard me talk about form goggles this year and thought maybe you would like to try them but haven't committed yet, you just have to make the leap and try them. I was doing a swim during the week and found myself thinking how I've been swimming consistently the whole year so far and it's already March, which I know might not sound like much, but that's the most consistently I've swam in like three to four years at least. And I was just having one of those swims where everything was feeling good, I felt fast and smooth and I was enjoying it. It was a bit of like a cloud nine feeling almost that are pretty rare to feel for me in the pool. And I would honestly have never had that if I didn't start being motivated to swim to firstly try my form goggles, but then also continue using them because I find doing sessions in them fun and motivating. There just literally is no world in which I'll ever go back to using normal goggles. 
And I can't tell you how good it is to be able to see live pace on your goggles in front of you when you swim, not just looking at the boring bottom of the pool. Follow along to workouts, you pre-setting them and not having to wear a watch on your wrist while you while you swim and like having to hit start and stop on it and it being like bulky and annoying. I also just love looking back at all the data from the form goggles on the app after my session, like just sitting back on the pool deck or in my car when I'm about to leave the pool and, and scrolling through the data. Like that really motivates me as well um, and gives me like a sense of achievement after my swim. I guess, like honestly, I just love everything about them pretty much, especially compared to, to my old goggles I used to use. Um, I also coach some athletes and most of them have got form goggles since I started using them. And all of them who have given them a try give me the same feedback that they love them. Um, They're making the swimming they're doing funner, more motivating and not dreading doing sessions or long boring swims as much. So hearing that not only as someone who tries to tell people how good form goggles are and spread the message, um, but also as a coach who wants my athletes enjoying their training is, is awesome. So like I said, If you've considered trying them and haven't made the leap yet, just do it. I guarantee you, you won't regret it and will wish you got got onto them sooner, which is exactly how I feel. Use code HTT15 at checkout when you buy them for 15% off. Plus, it gets you one year's free premium subscription, which is awesome because if you don't have a swim coach, the premium subscription comes with so many sessions um, and swim training programs you can use that you can just upload automatically from the app to your goggles. It's really easy. The link to buy them will be in the episode description, as will the HTT15 discount code as a reminder. Um, that code helps support the show. So it's a bit of a win-win. You get some goggles I know you love and, and it supports how they train. And then just to change topics completely, I guess the Norwegian thing made me think about it. Is there any plans for you to start doing any long course triathlon or is it all about short course and particularly about the relay side of short course or is there a world where we see Gwen Jorgensen come across to the long course triathlon world? I'm going as short as possible. Come on, that relay, like 20 minute triathlon, give me that short stuff. Um, That's what I'm excited about. I... I do not foresee me doing long course, but um, I'm going to come back to never say never because I never foresaw myself coming back to triathlon either. I just wondered, do you think that the training you did for the marathon, um, being like obviously a bit of a more demanding long aerobic event compared to a triathlon, even though, like you said, they're the same distance um, and the nature of short course triathlon being sort of much punchier, much more explosive, I just wondered whether that training did open like your mind at all to the possibility of, well, maybe I will go and do like an Ironman or a 70.3. That just does not sound fun to me. <laughs> um, I, I'm really motivated when I see other people racing Ironman and like it's a it's amazing to be out there on the course cheering. We went to um, um, the Ironman World Champs in uh, St. George this year, this past year, and it was so fun to see that atmosphere and and be a part of that as a cheerleader. But I just do not even watching it. Like I was so I was into it, loved it, but I had zero desire to join them out in the course. Let's say in a hypothetical world, right? Because obviously so much about triathlon is enjoying the training. And if you can enjoy the training and do it consistently, you're probably going to be pretty all right at that event. And let's say in a hypothetical world, you could enjoy the training for long course triathlon. Do you think you could be successful over those distances? Oh, I don't know. I think uh, I've never even thought about that. Um, like you said, you have to enjoy it, I think, to be good. Um, and, you know, I've done some, like the only time I've ever trained for non-draft was when I would do the Island House triathlons at the end of the season. And just riding my TT bike for, for that little amount of time was nothing I really, really enjoyed. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I I haven't thought about that and that's not something like for me in order to think about that, I kind of have to enjoy it first. And then right now, so you're in New Zealand at the moment, doing a little bit of racing, had your first race back, um, came third, What's, what's the process from, from here? Do you guys have everything mapped out in like an ideal world? Right now we're just doing, I did that, um, race. Yeah. Last weekend as like a warm up race. 
Um, and then I'm going to do the new Plymouth world cup and then make some decisions based on how that goes. Um, so kind of just, um, you know, we know like performance talks and, um, if I perform, I'll get into races, but right now I'm just focusing on this first race, seeing how it goes. And then we'll make decisions based on the rest of the year. Like ideal world. I want to get into the Paris test event, which is in August of this year. So, um, that that would be ideal um but we'll see how uh, new plymouth goes first and with your comeback to training and racing at the moment well i guess particularly training but now that you have had that race on the weekend we can probably talk about it in racing a little bit as well do you feel like you're a better runner or a better triathlon runner right now than what you were in say like 2013 14 even 15 and 16 because of the exclusive run training you've done over the last sort of six years Right now, definitely not, but I think I have the potential to be. Um, right now, I just haven't done enough training. Even, you know, the race I did over the weekend, I felt super flat. It could have been as well that I arrived less than 48 hours be- before the the race and, you know, got like two hours night sleep on the, the plane ride as I was uh, flying with my two little kids um, on the plane. But um, yeah, I just, I also just haven't done that run training, just coming back postpartum. And so, um, I believe yes, based on the running, I training I've done, I I could potentially be a stronger, better runner. That's what I believe, but I haven't done the training yet to, to really know or see. And with your conversations with Jamie about your training, have you spoken about, well, here's what I was off in the wilderness doing for six years in the running world. Here's what I've learned. Like, because obviously you had the training you'd done with him that made you the best runner triathlons ever seen on, on the female side of things particularly, but arguably just in triathlon in general. And then you went away and did running full time. Have you spoken about, well, these are the things that I've learned work for me. These are the things I've learned definitely don't work for me and how we can incorporate those both of those things into my training going forward? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the biggest hesitation I had when I was talking to Jamie about my run training was just, I live in Boulder now, which is at altitude. And I kind of had this um, hesitation to altitude because I had such a bad experience coming out of it um, when I was training at 8,500 feet with the Bowerman Track Club. And so, you know, we did testing where I went um, to Colorado Springs and at the Olympic Training Center and just did some baseline testing of like, what is my tempo pace at altitude? So that I could get some confidence in knowing that, you know, if I train at these paces, that'll be the the correct formula um, at altitude. So, you know, there was things like that that we definitely talked about and and tweaked and and were able to, I think, come up with a solution to make me confident um, heading into the the season. And with your conversations with Jamie. What does he think about your goal to really pursue the mixed relay? Is he like, yep, 100% on board, like love that? Or is he sort of pushing you to do individual stuff and prioritize that? No, he's 100% on board. I just based on how you qualify for the relay, you can't just basically do the relay. Um, Team USA is too strong and they pick relay members from the individual event. So I have to do some of the individual racing and so, you know, this year we're, we're focusing more on the sprint and Olympic distance stuff. Um, but you know, if, um, yeah, in the future, it'd be nice to focus more in training on, on just that shorter, faster stuff. And we've like, say your conversation with Olav Alexander Boo as well, the, the Norwegian coach, did he sort of like, was he saying to you, Hey, like Gwen, you can come back and be the best in the world. And like, were your conversations with coaches going down that direction? Was everyone sort of saying to you, like, Hey, if you're going to come back, you, this is how good you were. We like, if we want to work with you, we're excited because you could be the best in the world again. Or has that never really been talked about? No, that definitely, um, is taught, has been talked about. Um, and I think that's really important when you have a coach to make sure that they believe in you and they have the same goals as you as well. Uh, you're, it doesn't work well if you're if your coach and your athlete are not on the same page. And uh, everyone I talked to was on the same page uh, with me, which was which was really nice. And one thing that I'm actually like I've talked about, I barely ever talk about running shoes, but I talked about it in last week's episode with Holly Lawrence. And now I want to talk to you about it because when you were when you were doing triathlon 
back in sort of like when you finished in 2016, you won the Olympic Games like before the super shoe era really and then basically as soon as those Olympics finished, the super shoe era really sort of came on. And now we have like, you know, the only shoes people race in are super shoes and it's gone to a complete different level. Do you think, how much difference do you think it will make in your triathlon running times being able to run in super shoes now versus say 2013 to 2016 when they really didn't exist? Yeah, I mean, even when I started my running career, there wasn't super shoes quite yet. Like my first few races that I did weren't in super shoes and I didn't go that much slower than when I had quote unquote, super shoes. So I think, you know, though the, the super shoes in my head, um, they help, I think with the recovery more than anything, like I, I don't, there are people who are think like it takes minutes off your times. I'm not one of those people. I do think they're fast. I think everything has evolved. I think the wetsuits are faster. Um, you know, I wore like a seven-year-old wetsuit and then I wore a brand new wetsuit and I was like, wow, there's a huge difference in the wetsuits. Like, but nobody really talks about that. So I think, you know, everything has really evolved um, technology wise. And I, I'm someone who loves innovation, loves things that change and help us be better athletes. And so, um, yeah, I'm just excited about it. I do think super shoes are a lot harder to get into than uh, the, the shoes I used to race in for triathlon. So those, those transitions are something that um, will be a little bit different. Speaking of innovation, we haven't really talked about the bike too much, um, but I do want to touch on it. So how were you training for your cycling back then when you were, you know, 2013 or 2016, the best triathlete on the planet? And and like, have you talked about how you're going to progress your your ride training, getting back into it? Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, I, we, you know, so like my specific, like specifically back um, when I was training, you know, we do four minute hill repeats often. Um, and then as well, do like an hour of power where we're rolling turns as a group. And um, this, I haven't really gotten to the place yet in my training to even uh, start doing four minute efforts again or anything like that. So um, I'm looking forward to to doing that. I've been doing some high torque stuff recently, which I never did back in the day. Um, if I got, I don't know what I can call it. The glory days back in the glory days. I never did like <laughs> torque work. And now, um, I'm working on that, but you know, I look back and like in previously in triathlon, I was doing, you know, uh, low cadence, um, which is basically torque, but now we have ways to like measure that. Um, so yeah, I think for me, you know, it's, it's something that I always baseline need to work on is just getting that strength back. So doing some, low cadence, um, some work to, to build that strength back is something that right now that's where I'm, where I'm at with my cycling training. And are you still going to be riding specialized bikes on your return? Oh, I just announced this today. I'm riding Cannondale, which is super exciting. Um, and then as well, like Shimano 12 speed and everything has changed so much. Like I got on my new bike. I was like, this feels amazing. Um, disc brakes, like everything just, um, it feels faster. I feel more confident turning. Um, it just feels fast. And so, yeah, that technology has changed a ton too. I didn't see that. That's bad research by me. You must've only done that in the last few hours because I've just, uh, <laughs> I had a really late night last night. I've just woken up from a nap. So I've missed that. <laughs> uh, the sort of the last kind of thing I really want to talk about I mean there's I could have a five six hour conversation with you no problems but something I always wondered about you was your diet because you often talked about the way you would eat and you were a very very healthy eater by the look of it but I was always fascinated by how you would eat chocolate with every single meal of the day um and you won't remember this at all, Gwen. This is going to sound a bit creepy, but I actually was on a training camp with you for a few days in Falls Creek in Australia and I saw it and I asked a few people about it. I'm like, Gwen's eating not like, this is weird. Like you didn't eat much chocolate, but you would always have like a square or two of chocolate, like just sporadically, like 10 times a day it felt like. Um, and so I've always wanted to ask you about your diet and how you approach your diet. Yeah, I still do that chocolate um, every day. Today I did though. Um, I put peanut butter and raisins on top of the chocolate square that I had. Oh, it was so good. But <laughs> yeah, my diet, my diet is something that, um, you know, I think I've been really fortunate that I've never had a problem with weight. 
Um, and my problem with weight has always been trying to put more weight on. And, um, you know, Patrick, my husband is somebody who has really, he, he cooks all the meals basically, um, or at least all the dinners. And, um, yeah, I just try to get well-rounded, you know, a carb, a protein, a fat, and I love vegetables. Um, but I'm, I'd say I'm pretty heavy, um, vegetables and, and carbs in, in what I eat. And, um, especially right now, I'm really struggling to eat enough because I'm training and breastfeeding. And, and so it's just kind of like get as much in whenever possible. And I do, I try to eat healthy, but, um, I have desserts. Like I don't limit myself by any means. And then especially now, since I've had Stanley, like we have just all sorts of chips and, um, (laughs) unhealthy snacks in the house that I'm constantly eating. So, um, yeah, for me, it's, it's about getting enough of the good stuff in and then everything else in moderation. Have you ever struggled with your eating as a female triathlete? Not as a triathlete. I did in college. I, uh, I was a swimmer in college and then I switched over to running. And when I switched over to running, I just looked around at what everyone was eating and nobody ever ate desserts. And I was like, well, this is weird. I guess if you're a runner, you don't eat desserts. And so I cut out desserts and I lost too much weight and got thin and had, um, my only stress fracture and just realized very quickly that I did not need to do what everyone else is doing. And I think, you know, um, it's, it's really, that's really hard, I think, especially for females, especially at that age. Um, and, and I'm really grateful that I just had that one experience and kind of learned from it. Um, but not everyone is, is so lucky. And then with, you've mentioned your kids so much today, Gwen, and you obviously make them a huge part of your story and, and tell their stories and, and your lives as like this one, this one big story that you take people along the ride of. And um, it's, it's interesting because a lot of athletes don't do that. They sort of separate their personal life and their, their training and racing life. A bit of a question I've often wondered but never really asked anyone because I don't really talk to people who are the level of athlete as you and, and are also mums very often. When you're the, the world's best triathlete, when you're trying to win a gold mem- medal at the, the marathon and now that you're coming back and again want to go to the Olympic Games, uh, uh, is having kids and, and having kids at this period of time in your life where you're basically in your athletic peak, pr- particularly for endurance sports, is it in any way a double-edged sword? Like, is there ever any resentment towards having to like sacrifice, you know, a year of your life a couple of times or two or three times for a lot of, lot of athletes, or is it just, does it just not even like that thought not even enter your mind and it's all just happy. It's all just good. It's hard being pregnant. Um, I'd say that's the hardest part. You're, you know, you're pregnant and you know, like, you know, most people, most women who aren't athletes and have children, they can work while they're pregnant. And for us, when we're athletes, we can't work during pregnancy. So we, so we lose even more time, you know, essentially we use a year while we're pregnant plus then come back, um, it has to go slow. So we lose more time there too, um, which can be really hard. And it's something that I think long and hard about, and have lots of discussions with Patrick about, you know, when do we want to have kids? And we've been really fortunate both times we've wanted dead kids. We've gotten pregnant within a month. So, um, we've, we haven't struggled with that. Um, but you know, there's that aspect too. Like you can think in like, when will these be perfect timing for my career? And then you could be somebody who can't get pregnant right away. And so, um, you know, it's, it's hard and it's hard to balance that. And, um, you know, I think there are areas that are, that are going better for women now. Um, but there's still so much, I think, discrimination as well against mothers. And so it's a hard thing and, and something that I really want to fight for is just having an equal playing field for moms and and as well just make it um, so that moms know they can have both if they want both. And to wrap up the convo today, Gwen, um, you mentioned briefly before that you've done a fair bit of swimming or a little bit of swimming with Ian O'Brien's triathlon squad. Um, for people who don't know, he's sort of like the head coach of Taylor Nib, who's right now probably arguably the best female triathlete on the planet, her or Flora Duffy. Um, and you sort of also said that a big part of the success you had in that 2013 to 2016 patch was training in one of the best triathlon squads in the world, actually 
the best triathlon squad in the world, I would argue. Is there anyone else that you're training with at the moment? Boulder's a bit of a hot spot. Is there any like big name triathletes that we would know that that you do any training with? Do you have plans to ever go back into that group environment? And if so, who with? Or are you just sort of just going to try and link up with individuals? Or is is this largely going to be a like a individual journey of of you doing a lot of a lot of the training by yourself? I'm linking up with um, individual people, but like I'm swimming with swimmers, uh, running with runners and and cycling with with cyclists um i really want pat to get out on the bike with me again and train with me um sadly though he's he's working a little too much to do those rides so um but i'm i'm here in um, new plymouth right now and i'm uh training with an australian ellie white link so um yeah i'm training with her and she's a she's a triathlete uh 22 years old so she's probably closer to stanley's age than mine but um <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, back in Boulder, I've just kind of made my own crew of of endurance athletes who specialize in um, specific sports. I said that was the last question. One more, I promise. This is the last question. Will we, you, you don't want to go to long course, but will we ever see you on a PTO start line? Ooh, I don't know. You know, for me, I'm, I'm really motivated by the Olympics and um, I don't, I'm on a really tight timeline, so I don't really have time to do that this year. Um, so I'm going to say never say never. I love what I love that they're doing what they're doing and how they're giving so many opportunities. I think they just, um, yeah, extended a contract through, I don't know what year, but um, yeah, I think it's great opportunities for triathletes. And I love that there's um, more races, but for me right now, I'm just focusing on the Olympic route. Awesome, Gwen. That was uh, that was so good. Someone I've always wanted to talk to, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to chat to you on the podcast. Your your return is like there's a lot of exciting things happening in triathlon this year. The, can Jan Fredino come back and beat the Norwegians? Can he can he beat even the younger guys like Sam Laidlow and Magnus Ditlev? And obviously, there's the Olympic cycle coming up. And I would argue that your comeback is potentially as exciting as any of those things. Like. I, I think it's probably the thing I'm most excited to see how it progresses this year. Um, and that's saying something because that yarn and, and Norwegian battle is is a big deal and I, I really can't wait to see that either. either. So, yeah, it's um, in a way I feel like thanking you for coming back to triathlon because you've certainly uh-huh. – it's going to give the sport like something to follow that that the sport needs. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's going to be an exciting year ahead. So good luck with it. Um, I can't wait to, to follow along and, you know, hopefully if all goes well, or even if it doesn't really, we can, we can link up again and have a chat later in the year and, and, and just sort of get the, get the update. Yeah. I'd love that. Yeah. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. Have a good rest of your night, Gwen. Thanks again. <laughs>